I live by routines, especially my same-day delivery routine with Shipped. Because when Sunday rolls around, I'm not scared. I got my shopper on the way with all my favorites. Shipped, delight in every delivery. Learn more at Shipped.com. Welcome to the Megan Kelly Show, your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Kelly. Welcome to the Megan Kelly Show. Big show for you today. We are welcoming back one of my all-time favorite guests. When I interviewed Steven Crowder nearly a year ago, it became instantly one of our top downloaded episodes. And I don't think I've ever laughed so hard in an interview. I don't I still recall it so fondly. My husband loved it. We all loved it. Maybe you're a fan of Crowder's like me and are one of his 5.5 million YouTube subscribers. Um, Maybe not. and You're about to be. But the thing about Crowder is he hasn't posted a video to YouTube in five days, even though he dominates there. Why? He is currently suspended from the platform at least insofar as him posting his show. We will get into that, plus what it's like being a new father of twins and his recent health scare that that almost killed him. I mean, it was really scary. He had twins and almost died in like the same month. Um, And now he's been left with titanium steel bars in his chest. So he he really is kind of now the man of steel. Stephen, welcome back. Great to have you. Well, thank you very much for having me. I hate to uh, fact check you right on the outset, but uh, <laughs> steel is different as a, a certain level of carbon versus the alloy that titanium is. And <laughs> one is technically more rigid, but also brittle. Uh, it's why they have to crack tungsten versus cut something like cobalt. My point is, let's not get off on the wrong foot and find ourselves <laughs> in front page of Media Matters just because you wanted to get uh, you wanted to get snippy. <laughs> I wanted to lose. I wanted to weaken your titanium rods down to steel. Okay, Um, there's so much to go over. Let's just start with the newsiest part, which is what YouTube's doing to you. Okay, so YouTube has given you what's called a hard strike. If you get three hard strikes in a 90 day period, you are permanently banned from YouTube. Your show gets booted. That's just not going to happen. I just can't imagine that they're going to do that to you. You're too popular. There would be too big a backlash, but they're setting you up. Uh, they're certainly, they certainly seem to be setting you up. So explain to us what, what'd you do? <laughs> well, what would you do? Uh, good question. And the usual answer is something wrong, especially I find as a new father with, with twins. I've also realized just how useless I am as a father. I'm sure you and your husband went through this. There's there's so little I can do. My wife has like a Swiss army knife and she pats the babies and she burps them and she burps them and she's changing them. And I'm just like, am I supporting the head? And uh, I just upset them when they cry. I don't comfort them at all. And I, I can't hold them on my chest. Turns out, do you know why? I found out that uh, a, a bed of, I think I can say this word, a bed of breasts of bosom is more comfortable than titanium. Yeah. So if I were a child, I would choose my mom over a titanium chest as well. Uh, YouTube, Look, the hard strike term is something people don't fully understand. So if I can explain it for a second, they'll be you know thinking of an uh, you know an ex NFL player in an elevator with his girlfriend. It's a strike from YouTube that's different from like a copyright violation. A hard strike is YouTube saying, "All right, we are hitting your channel. We're leaving a mark. We're making it count." And in this case, we can't upload, we can't stream. Um, really, you know, they've changed their algorithms. Where if you search Stephen Crowder abortion, for example, you'll find 
25 other videos often before you find ours. And these will be videos that are less relevant with fewer plays. So we're not really in search. We're not really in browse to the degree of other channels. If you watch my video, you all of a sudden get a Seth Meyers video for some reason. That's how their algorithms work. Now they just said, okay, we're just going to strike you and remove you from YouTube. And the reason for it is what's so concerning, uh, Megan, especially I know you've talked about with with your children, you know, going through the situation at school. Um, we covered a story, a very specific story uh, of, of female inmates in California becoming pregnant. And we also talked about a record number of transgender or males who identify as females going into all women's prisons. So the joke that they banned this episode for was uh, I covered the story, men going into prisons and women's getting uh, women getting pregnant, pregnancy protocols. So the only conclusion I could come to since uh, transgender males are exactly the same as biological females was that of immaculate conception. And it went to a sketch with, with the angel of Gabriel uh, appearing to Mary in a cell, letting her know uh, that she would have a miracle birth, but it would actually be at the hands of her violent cellmate. So it was a sketch. It was rough, red rough on the paper. I'm not saying it's for everybody, uh, but it was deliberately designed to drive the point home as to what we're allowed and not even allowed to say. The language from the YouTube attorney is... I do find solace in this, Megan, a very expensive hourly attorney who had to draft up a letter to me. So at mm -hmm. least there, you know, I cost him a few thousand dollars, said, uh, you can't call violence upon any group, which I never would. Um, uh, spread hate, I think, is a little more generic. Uh, but it said, uh, or indicate that transgender individuals may pose a rape threat to women. Now, keep in mind, this was applied retroactively to a video that had already been reviewed, that had already been uploaded a week ago. Uh, and it was fine then. I mean, everything's demonetized anyway. I don't make a dime off of YouTube. But it came down on us the day that we had a gangbusters episode about the Loudoun County situation where. Let, wait, um, let me just inter interject and ask you. Yeah. Previously, when you got in trouble with YouTube, would it take a week for them to say we've got a problem with this episode? It, it, there were two different scenarios. No, with the Vox apocalypse, it was immediate. Uh, and then one time with the CDC issue, you know, we had this over Christmas where we quoted the CDC, we referenced and showed the CDC stats on the number of average seasonal flu deaths with children versus uh, COVID deaths. And I won't even yeah. I can't even specify those numbers because I don't want you to get in trouble. That mm -hmm. was applied retroactively weeks earlier. So we've had both. Usually it's been immediate. This is the second time they've gone back through time and said this isn't acceptable now. Okay, so finish your point. So the, the, a week went by after, I should point out that the angel of Gabriel in your skit was being played by Alex Jones. And you, yeah. and he said, basically you said, what is, what is this going to happen if a woman gets pregnant in uh, in prison, in an all-women's prison, is it, in a, is it in an immaculate conception? And Alex Jones, as an angel, says, um, a baby's to be born in the cell. A virgin birth is asked. He says, no, your cellmate, that guy right there, dresses a woman. He's going to rape you repeatedly. So you yes. you have that up for a week. They don't tell you you have to take it down. It's obviously It sounds worse when it's, you say it. <laughs> it's it's a comedy sketch. I get it. And we're going to get to the numbers on what's actually happening in prisons and so on. But um, he says that. And then a week later, the, the, you get the YouTube letter. But you were saying that the letter comes on the same day that you covered. Yeah. Within hours of us covering the Loudoun story, the Loudoun County story for people who don't know a young man. And I was very clear to not even say transgender because the reports at this time were saying a young bisexual boy in a skirt. Okay. So I had to say that uh, yeah. had raped a young girl and the school board effectively did nothing. And it was verified through a rape kit. And that uh, young boy 
bisexual boy in a skirt raped again. So we covered this. And of course, uh, parents were outraged. So we, we, we covered it. That's when we got this letter saying you are not allowed to indicate this is a quote indicating that transgender individuals pose a rape threat to women. Here's what's so concerning. Sure, we covered specific instances. And I understand the difference between covering specific instances and attacking the actions of a specific person, you know, um, like rape. I I don't know. Call call me. That's me, Mr. Old Fashioned. I think rape is evil, regardless of whether the guy is wearing a skirt when doing it. I'm I'm you know, I'm not afraid to take a risk here, Megan, and say that I'm anti rape. Um, (laughs) But what I do think is a problem is you do need to be able to make a broad generalization to express concern. There were over 100 parents lined up at that municipal meeting in Loudoun County, and they were going to express their concern over this new intergender bathroom policy. Why? Well, because we're concerned as parents that it could pose a rape threat to our daughters. Banned. That's the issue right now with these companies under 230 being protected uh, as a digital town square. In the real town square, you can say things that are impermissible on all of Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. And that is very, very frightening. Mm-hmm. This is, I would argue, it's not a coincidence that this, this happened after uh, the uh, Loudon story, only hours after. And I would argue that it's not a coincidence that this language was designed to be interpreted so broadly that it could, in fact, remove anyone who discusses that story. These the your story and the story of the Loudoun County dad are running parallel in a way because the Loudoun County dad was publicly humiliated in the public square. He was fat shamed. He was mocked by the mainstream media. Like, look at this rube showing up at a school board meeting. He's such a moron, you know, protesting. And then it comes out, thanks to the Daily Wire's reporting, that the guy was there. He was upset at the superintendent, who's now been totally humiliated, by the way. And there are calls for him to resign. He hasn't, but he's apologizing. He's publicly apologizing because he was in the wrong, the superintendent, um, because the superintendent at that meeting was telling people that there hadn't been a sexual assault in the bathrooms and it wasn't true. It had just happened. And he knew he knew that it wasn't true. Now he's saying, oh, well, I thought it was like specific to just trans kids. Okay. A kid, a bisexual kid wearing a skirt goes into the girl's bathroom and rapes a girl. The the parents aren't splitting hairs about whether the kid's actually trans. They want to know whether the bathrooms are safe and the girls are safe. That's what they're they're not looking for. Some legalized parsed word. Well, technically. And he knew it. So he lied. The dad was mad. An activist got in his face and called his daughter a bitch, a ninth grade rape victim. She called her a bitch and the dad got mad. That's what we're seeing in that video. You go out there to try to talk about the Loudon incident and you go out there and we can talk about the particulars of the prison situation. But it is absolutely a problem right now that trans women just have to say biological men just have to say they're trans women and they can be transferred right into an all women's prison. And female prisoners have repeatedly expressed their concern over their safety. Yeah. I mean, look, I remember being dragged by my ear down to the dean's office because I didn't have the right hall pass. Okay, if I knew that I had a get out of jail free card wandering my high school halls uh, by tossing on a skirt and saying, you want to lift it up and check the genitalia? I think I have a right to be in a ladies restroom. The point is, this policy is so absurd that the boy who claims to be bisexual and wearing a skirt, no one called him on it anyway. Like, hey, son, you wouldn't happen to be one of those transgenders, are you? You can't ask questions. I'm wearing a skirt. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. You're free to rape. We're that far on down the trail. And look, this is we, we, we talked about how Me Too. And of course, look, 
People like Weinstein, of course. Okay, I understand these people shouldn't see the light of day again. I'm also surprised that uh, that, that pre- former pre- President Bill Clinton hasn't made the poster boy for yeah. sexual assault. But I digress. We used to say, well, we were silencing women right at the power of white men. Now we're silencing rape victims uh, at the cost of the feelings of transgender individuals. This is not an isolated incident, and I'm certainly not. Let me be really clear. I've never said that all transgenders are rapists. I've never implied that all transgenders are rapists because I don't believe that all transgenders are rapists. Despite what YouTube want people to believe, simply saying that a law like this and certainly policies that are this murky allow predators to take advantage in what are meant to be women only spaces. But when you say, mm-hmm. ah, 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 they are women-only spaces. Uh, well, I meant women-only spaces. What do you mean by women-only spaces? Well, I meant, uh, I meant, I meant no penises. Can we? I meant no penis spaces. Hmm. Well, so here's the thing. Two two points on this. We looked it up to find out because most of the reporting links back to this Wolf. Uh, it's W O L F, which is an acronym stands for uh, Women's Liberation Front. Who's been? It's a feminist organization that's that's been reporting on this. And so far as we can tell, they claim that a female inmate in a California women's prison became pregnant after biological males, trans women, um, were housed in the prison. We have not been able to confirm that. Daily. Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro's organization, they did some work trying to confirm that as well. And the California uh, Bureau of Prisons is denying it, saying we do have some pregnant women in our prisons, but they were pregnant when they got here. They were not impregnated Mm -hmm. by trans prisoners who'd been transferred from the men men's prison. But Wolf, this organization, is standing by its reporting, saying we're in contact with women in these prisons and our information often comes out before yours does. So I don't know what the truth is, but there certainly has been this reporting out there. And it is indisputable that the California prisons are allowing biological males in thanks to a law pushed by Assemblyman Scott Wiener. Um, and now there are. Well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Have you guys. This is important. <laughs> Do you know who Scott Wiener is? Mm-mm. Do you know what oh. his most famous piece of legislation was before this? Mm. Non-disclosure laws. If you have AIDS or HIV. I know oh. some people right here in your, your show right now are listening like I don't even have a chip for that. That's that sounds like a kind of law where you could uh, you could infect someone with your viral load of HIV or AIDS without their knowledge. Yes, that's exactly what it is. They thought that requiring people who have HIV AIDS to disclose that they have HIV AIDS in sexual encounters with strangers uh, would be stigmatizing to those who may have HIV. AIDS and infect strangers. So Scott mm-hmm. Wiener, he really made this his raison d'etre between uh, leather chokers at the Folsom Street Fair. And I don't just say that as a broad generalization. To be clear, you can find the pictures. So this guy really has his priorities straight while people have to step over pools of human excrement like Frogger in the state of California right mm. now that he's decided this is his new law. But sorry, continue. Just as I love it when you when you use your French. He's he's from Canada. Uh, he's his mother's French Canadian. I, I love it when you use your French and it sounds legit. Um, OK, so the number the numbers is uh, the numbers are, let's say, uh, I don't know, it's something like 300 people have identified themselves as trans so far. The, uh, so, let me see. 20 of the requests 
uh, have been processed so far, but none have been denied, including those, according to the National Review, requested by male sex offenders. Now, I actually went, dug deep on that, too. I, I clicked on the link in National Review. Where are they where are they getting that? That, you know, previously male sex offenders now say that they're trans. And they want to go to the women's prisons. The National Review link takes you to a Santa Monica Observer article and a report directly from a female MBA, NBA, inmate named Amber S. Jackson claiming that HIV positive male well, trans female sex offenders are in prison now having sex with female inmates. She's posted repeatedly over there. I don't know whether this is the source. Look, none of this actually needs to be confirmed because we do have and you posted this several actual confirmed cases um, in the past of trans individuals hurting other people via via yes. sexual assault or rape that it's not to say that all trans individuals do this, as you already pointed out. It's just right. to point out that it is a problem. It has happened and people are not completely off their rocker to be concerned about trans women being put in women's prisons. Well, here, here's here's the issue right here. And I understand you're, you're doing your due diligence. And for people who don't know, like I'm, I'm a comedian, but we make sure all of our references are publicly available. And mm -hmm. what's important to keep in mind is we are looking for something right an anecdotal story, but we are acknowledging the empirical, the problem. Now, we just talked about on our show, a Ministry of Justice uh, study at the UK, 59.6, and this source is available at ladderwithcredit.com. I can give you the link in the description. 59.6 of male to female transgenders who are in UK prisons are sex offenders. 13% of cis basic uh, heterosexual, uh, supposedly males in prison, and about 3% of women, 59% of male to female transgender individuals. This is an empirical study. Now, let's apply this to the Loudoun County situation, right, where we say empirical studies show us or at least suggest that there could be a greater risk of sexual assault when you have these intergender bathroom policies. What did they say? It's never happened here. We know they were lying. We know they were lying. Why would we trust the prisons right now? And I can't tell you who we're communicating with with people in the prisons. The empirical is irrefutable and the anecdotal, of course, is being hidden. And I don't think it requires a conspiracy theorist mind, you know, uh, George W. Bush next to to Tower 7 with an acne plunger to understand that, of course, they would have every incentive in these prison systems in California to cover up the effects of their absolutely horrendous laws. We already know women have been harmed by transgender inmates. We already know that there are many women who have become pregnant in prison. This ha Women shouldn't be pregnant, period, in prison. That's not supposed to happen. Now, mm. the anecdotal, they say the, these women who uh, uh, are, are speaking out are lying. Okay, but you said that about, if you're willing to say it about uh, a young girl in a public school, don't really think I trust you when it comes to our correctional facilities, mm -hmm. especially when you're talking about a law that comes from Mr. I should knowingly be able to infect an HIV, uh, to, to use my HIV viral load to infect a stranger without his knowledge, Wiener. That's his policy. People think it sounds absurd because it is. Look it up. That's the thing. So the YouTube offense at you allegedly suggesting um they, they say you indicated that trans people pose a rape threat to women. Um, we we need to be able to talk about the fear by biological women in prison that that may happen and reports um, that the sex is happening between biological males who are say they're trans and women in these prisons, as told by this Amber Jackson at Santa, Santa Monica Observer, among others. And. If we, we can't get banned for having such a discussion, you never said that all trans people are going to rape the women in these prisons. But it's a it's a very real issue that's been raised 
in the mainstream press, never mind by Steven Crowder, by me, by many others. So it's crazy for YouTube to try to be tra- cracking down on just you because you did it in sort of a more humorous way, which and was obviously way, a, a parody. Specific car- there's a specific carve out for comedy, to be clear. So they have yes, problems with hair it's Alex on them. Jones is an this- angel. It's obviously comedy. Yes. Who? Okay, you have to. It, it takes a lot of work to make something that stupid. Okay, <laughs> I deliberately decided to cast Alex Jones as the Angel Gabriel because it's hysterical, and I make no apologies for it. But let's look at the YouTube statement really quickly. And it's not that I indicated; it says you are not allowed to indicate. Right, indicating. So that means open ended. Anyone else? That yeah. means you. That means people at Daily Wire. That's what's so scary about it. But let's. Let's just look at that phrase, the fact that some people might agree with it, indicating that transgender individuals may pose a rape threat to women. Well, yeah, that's mean. Let me change one thing. Indicating that biological males could pose a rape threat to women. Would anyone on earth disagree with that sentiment, that mm-hmm. biological males could pose a rape threat to women? Who rapes women? Mm-hmm. Biological males, primarily. That's also an offensive term. They don't want us to use the term biological males right now. So when people go out and say, this is this culture war, you know, the, the, these, these think tank libertarians, right? Or we just want to talk about the debt. Look, taxes ebb and flow. Let's talk about this issue, the elimination of gender lines. It affects everything in our country. What do I mean by that? Well, not only does it affect big tech, as we're talking about right now, it affects parental rights. If you say that men and women are fundamentally interchangeable, if you say that a biological man who claims to be a transgender woman is the exact same thing as a biological woman, which is what the push is, let's be clear, Mm. you lose your parental rights to raise your children as you see fit, not to mention, what are we talking about with private businesses, uh, business rights? You think not wanting to be involved in a gay wedding ceremony, baking that cake was bad? What do you think is going to happen with businesses that are gender selective? Places like all women's gyms or places that have all women's locker rooms, beauty salons. Not to mention, this will affect our political discourse. You can have people from the left who go up who, of course, agree with this sentiment. The, you know, the anti-science crowd who say, well, yes, uh, biological men who transition to women, they're the exact same thing as biological women. They're allowed mm-hmm. to speak freely and C-SPAN can air it and see CNN can regurgitate it all across YouTube, Facebook, whatever source happens to exist at that point in time, whereas someone like Senator Rand Paul or Ted Cruz, their rebuttal is no longer allowed to be spoken. Not to mention, it of course ties into the speech issue. You can now eliminate voices of anyone who disagrees with the established fact, fact that biological men can in fact be the exact equivalent to biological women if 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 they claim to be. And here's the other piece of it. Here's the other piece of it. Even if it's not a trans individual who poses the risk to the girls or the women in the case of prisons, you sure. you can have situations where a biological man who is not trans takes advantage of the law to go into the facility and cause harm. That's that's another concern by the activists. Now, people that can would be decide me, Megan, if if I <laughs> were sentenced, if Susan Wojcicki had her way and they pin me down, they'd say life in prison. You know, I didn't get the light concurrent sentences. I would say, all right, I'm looking at life. Well, uh, I'm a woman and I'd like to be free to go into the female prison. And they would say, oh, well, there's been this huge track record of you saying these these uh, anti-LGBT trans theory stuff. And I would say, look, I was clearly I w- it was repressed transgender. I was a repressed <laughs> transgender. I was fighting against my own urges. And even right now, they would point to this and say, well, right here, this is evidence. And I would say that you look back. That was, a cr- that was this is an obvious cry for help. And uh, I'll go on my merry way and be the uh, I'll be the biggest dog in the female prison yard. Susan Wojcicki is the head of YouTube. If uh, if they did deny you from moving into the women's prison, you would be the very first in California to be denied. They've all been approved. And these women are now living in these, you know, nine by nine cells with with 
people, I don't know, however you want to say it, who have penises. And according to at least one of these activists or one of these inmates who's gone on the record, um, some are HIV positive and sex is happening. I haven't heard her see, I haven't seen her use the word rape, but we'll continue to follow it. And that's been a concern expressed even by lawmakers when they were pushing this in California. We have so much more to go over with Steven Crowder, his health scare, parenthood, uh, Superman now doesn't believe in the American way, and he's also bisexual. So much to get to. <laughs> Stay tuned. I live by routines, but I especially love my same-day delivery routine with Shipped. And my shopper knows this about me. When Sunday rolls around and I place my weekly stock-up order, Joe sends texts from the aisles. Wilted lettuce? Nah, hard pass. Deal on my favorite sparkling water? Whew, grab two. Fresh flowers just because? Hmm, sounds like a delightful idea. If you love routines that work for you, get Shipped same-day delivery. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at ship.com slash hi. Stephen Crowder is with us now, host of Louder with Crowder. If you have not heard of it, you are missing out. He's hilarious. He's brilliant. He's controversial. Um, but we need people who will take rhetorical risks in our society. Otherwise, these woke warriors are going to dominate the entire conversation and important facts are going to get covered up. This is just uh, a couple of these are a couple of examples. You posted these on your website. Just so people know, we went back and we checked them all to see, are they true? Did it really happen? And you you got it. You They are true. They did happen. These are instances of assault or rape or exposure um, by trans individuals against girls, sometimes little girls in restrooms, in jails, women and so on. Again, doesn't mean they all do it. Just means you should be able to talk about the potential risk. That's it. That's all you were trying to do. Um, There's a couple of examples. Transgender prisoner Karen White carried out four sex attacks at a women's prison uh, confirmed by the BBC. Um, Madeline Harks convicted of molesting three girls under eight before he transitioned and then sexually assaulted two female inmates in jail. Vancouver Sun confirmed by additional uh, CNBC reporting or CBC. In 2012, Canadian Christopher Hamburg assaulted two women in two women's homeless shelters in Toronto, confirmed by The Economist. 2020, female Illinois inmate claimed she was raped by a transgender inmate and the jail covered it up, confirmed by the local PBS Chicago story, and on and on it goes. There is no question it has happened. There's no question women in California have expressed concerns that it may happen again there as a result of this guy Wiener's policy, which got pushed through. And the fact that YouTube is looking at you because you you made it into a parody with Alex Jones, Alex Jones, to, to cover this issue in a way that you always do. You're a comedian. You make people laugh, cry, feel something and get a conversation going is insane. Your thoughts, Stephen, especially when we see what's happening with Dave Chappelle trying to talk about trans issues on the national level, too. Oh, well, for crying out loud, with Dave Chappelle, they just absolutely proved his point. I think, you know, some people say it's not cancel culture, it's accountability culture. That's total bullcrap. Because if you look at Dave Chappelle, you see the difference between the critic scores and the audience scores. For example, between Fauci, the critic scores, and the audience scores. Mm -hmm. What cancel culture is, is a small group of people in an echo chamber using that echo chamber to amplify it and to subvert the, the voice of the actual people. People want to be able to watch Dave Chappelle. That's a majority of Americans either want to be able to watch the special or believe that other people should be able to watch the special. It's a bunch of people who want to stage a walkout who work at Netflix who believe that him making jokes is 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 actually something that one could equate to violence. So let's be clear. Cancel culture is a real thing, and it's not even the same 
as a boycott or a bycott because it's not society at large. It's people who are entirely disconnected from society at large. And I appreciate you, by the way, going through those through those references, because, yeah, look, I'm a comedian first. I mean, anyone who's watching this right now, seeing you and I in a split screen can tell, right, if this were just a free like comedian. Yeah, because one is Megan Kelly, like looking into the sun and one after several <laughs> hours of work still looks like I just came in from an all male version of curves. OK, so I have to actually <laughs> be somewhat not that you're not entertaining, but this is what I've done. I was performing to drunks, you know, in clubs for years. I worked at look, I, I worked at Fox News. Everything that I do today, I was told would never work. Yeah. I was told we know that the, the brass there at Fox News, they said, ah, comedy like that doesn't really work. Ah, it's too edgy. The idea of change my mind, which is no edits, as long as it takes That's hours amazing. to actually discuss these issues. You you know, Megan, come on. And in the realm of cable news, it's antithetical. The Sanjay Gupta just said, I spoke with uh, Joe Rogan for three hours, which was the longest conversation I think I've ever had with anybody. If that's the longest conversation you've ever had with anybody, you've lived an asshole's life. It means that you have no idea how to interact <laughs> with people on a human level. Part of that is comedy. Part of that is levity. Part of that is actually finding a way to make a point without drawing blood. And that's what what humor does. And I think a big part of it is YouTube is just going after the numbers. They're saying more of you have chosen to watch this and Colbert, Myers, even any news program and the demographic. So we can't allow that to happen. But what's way really more. concerning way more. Yeah. And it's it's and I don't really I'm not comfortable talking about that because I have people come up and like this. I, I, when I was getting through insert whatever it is, he was like, ah, you helped me get through cancer. And I'm like, ah, I would probably just like let the cancer win if I were you. So good. Thank you. I'm appreciative. <laughs> I guess you're braver than me. Me telling a few jokes and ha- selling mugs mm. got you through the toughest point in your life. I'm intensely uncomfortable with the responsibility and so I try and do as much good as possible. Well, well I've seen you know, that, though. You take it seriously. I, I've seen the research that you do behind your segments. And and often, like, if I'm going to have you on, I'll go, I'll look at it, I'll see the controversial stuff, and I'll say, all right, let's take an objective look. And, uh, you yeah. know, if, if I didn't think you had it, I'd call you out. But you got your stuff here, and they're th- sticking their head Megan, in the sand. Megan, go through at the- all of them. Go yeah, no, all we did. I challenge did. you. I did. No, no, I mean, go through everyone we've ever done. I have a policy here, okay? We actually have to use completely neutral sources, things like PubMed or scientific journals, or if we can't find it, we use a left-leaning source. As a matter of mm-hmm. fact, when we use the Daily Wire for this story, it mm-hmm. was the first time we used a right-leaning source in weeks, and that's because they did the exclusive investigative journalism. Now, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that something wouldn't be legitimate, for example, if it came from Fox News on the Loudoun County, the on the Loudoun County story. And the Loudoun, and the Daily Wire's yeah. reporting on the Loudoun County uh, issue has been 100% confirmed, 100% yeah. confirmed, by, including by the superintendent. And the board, yes. one of the board members just resigned today. She was she was on the wrong side of history, and she got she resigned so that she could. Be be replaced by her fellow board instead of by the people um, who deserve to elect the next person in her seat. This Loudoun County board has not served its constituency well. But wait, before I want to just take a jump back because YouTube also cracked down on you. This is one of the things I saw. Um, You remember Micaiah Bryant was the young woman who was killed. She was um, a black woman who was about to stab another black woman. And a police officer showed up on the scene and he shot her 
and she died. She was only 16 yeah. years old. It was tough to tell how old they were in the midst of this knife fight, but it, it was crazy because the left started to defend her and attack the cop as though knife fighting is just a playful way of expressing oneself and yeah. the cop should have known that. Okay, so you had some fun at this. You didn't, you know, you you mocked it a bit and sort of said this is ridiculous and a lot of people did the the, the media outrage and so on. But then as I'm studying up on this, um they had no problem. They say you can't because you, you got to strike and you're yep. not allowed to mock somebody's death. They said you're not allowed to mock right. it. And I think it was you or somebody close to you said if that were true, the Bill Maher riff on um, David Koch dying, who he celebrated David Koch's death as if it was, yeah. you know, the, like the greatest thing to ever happen to the country that still lives on YouTube. That's just fine. But you can't right. mock this. No, and I absolutely should be able to mock it because this is someone who actually tried to actively stab somebody else was in. Look, if you look at that freeze frame, it's a freeze frame like this. And I think what I said was something along the lines of some people call this a travesty of the justice system. Some people show this, talk about this as though it displays the social inequities uh, for all to see. And when I look at this freeze frame of a uh, serial of uh, serially violent young lady about to stab another 16 year old, I say, text that's some mighty fine shooting because I can't believe the split second shot that had taken place. Of course, no one wants anyone to die. But you know what? When someone's about to stab somebody, I prefer the stabber to die than the innocent stabby. Again, yeah. I'm old. The cop fashioned. saved your life. Yeah, I, 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 this was after two. This was this was, of course, when it was heated, where all cops were animals. And I've agreed that you have some cops who abuse their authority. Absolutely, I understand it. However, this was a scenario where the cop made the absolutely right call. And it's entirely subjective with YouTube. That's the issue that we're dealing mm -hmm. with. And I have to be careful to not get somebody else in trouble. I mean, when we had the Vox apocalypse, the, the worst thing, the worst words that I said were Sprite, which is an old 50 year old term for someone who's light in the loafers, sachet, meaning dance or prance around. And I used the word Mexican, which YouTube described as a pejorative about someone who was Mexican. And I didn't say <laughs> I hate Mexicans. I said this person who's Mexican. So I said, well, hold on a second. If you can't say Mexican about somebody who's Mexican, what would you say? <laughs> How is that pejorative? Right. That's YouTube's well, it's bias. I was saying it. I don't know. I mean, I got a face with a lot of punch appeal. And you know what? Can we bring back the stocks a little bit for some of those board members in Loudoun County? I'm not saying yeah. violence, but can someone pelt their sorry fat asses with a few tomatoes? Seems like that'd be a little bit of justice for child rape. I, I, you know, it's just maybe it's just me. Could be just well, me. it's funny. It, you know, you say that you can't now because uh, the FBI will be all over you as a hate crime. But that what's crazy about it is that letter by the school board association, some made up organization that a lot of people hadn't heard of. But now some board school boards are withdrawing from this thing. They didn't realize they'd signed up for this group that was going to become activists and ask for parents to be treated like domestic terrorists. They used that incident of that guy, the dad, yeah. Scott Smith, as one of the examples of why the FBI needs to go to school board meetings and crack down on parents. Meanwhile, it's coming out that the prosecutor in that jurisdiction went after him personally. I mean, forgive the expression. You don't you won't care. Balls to the wall against this guy. She didn't normally prosecute cases of this, but she got involved. She really wanted to make an example out of this guy. And um, and people were shocked that she she pushed it so much uh, because she she was all for lenient law enforcement. Right. Until it comes to this dad, this white dad who shows up at the school board meeting and she made an example out of him. But yeah. nobody made an example out of the actual alleged rapist who was then tr passed to another school and committed a second 
alleged rape. A second sex crime. That's what's so this is this is how unfortunately vigilantism is cre- is created. People don't remember it was that crime wave, the late 60s, early 70s. That's when you had people like Dirty Harry. That's when you had people like Charles Bronson, right? Death Wish become popular because people thought, well, hold on a second, I've gone through all the avenues and nothing was done. Two things there that I wanted to uh, go through. The first is I've never fully understood the expression balls to the wall. Is that <laughs> supposed to be the G force that you're going so fast that it would press your balls back? In which case it would be really balls to the seat. Or is it supposed to be that you're running so fast that you run face first into the wall and the rebound reaction is your does anyone actually know about balls? Point, I've never the ball, if you're really going after something hard, like you'd r- r- full steam ahead, the balls would be like going well, backwards. I understand the analogy, but I don't understand where <laughs> b- where balls would ever reach the point of making physical contact with Maybe the it's wall. Maybe the wall Seems- is the body. It's the body. It's like the pelvic okay. region. It's the pelvic region. Because I was going to say, it seems like if your balls touch a wall, that would be by design. Um, you know, it'd be something you were looking to accomplish. Like I'd have to move things out of the way. Uh, and the other point that I was going to make here is um, I don't remember exactly what it was. So I guess we can, it was something about this. Look, oh, this is what I was going to ask you. OK, Megan <laughs> Kelly. Lovely, wonderful Megan Kelly. Uh, someone rapes your daughter. OK, oh. someone rapes one of your children at school. And you've brought it to the proper authorities, okay? And they've done nothing. And the school board tells you they don't believe you. And they call your daughter a bitch. You think you'd do little more than disrupt a town meeting? Mm-hmm. Right. And we're, imagine? we're serious, honestly, I, I am, if I were a judge and this went way further from this man, I would say, hey, don't do it again. If we are not at the, if we're at the point in this society where there's a he said, she said, or or she said, your guess is as good as mine said in this scenario, mm-hmm. uh, over rape of a child that's confirmed through a rape kit, and we're mm-hmm. talking about which language may be offensive and what's permissible and what may lead to a broad generalization, whereas someone should be going, hey, 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 Z's raping another one. Yeah, this principal, I mean, the superintendent needs to go. He lied to the parents about the danger posed in their schools. He moved the boy to another school without disclosing to the new school community that he posed a threat and a second rape was committed, according to the authorities. How this guy keeps his job, I have no idea. I realize Virginia's gone blue. It's it's more liberal than it's ever been, including when it comes to more lenient crimes, uh, crime and law enforcement. But this is this is too crazy for Democrats. Democrat or Republican. This guy's got to go. Um, all right. Let's shift gears and talk a little bit about um, something less controversial, which is Uh-oh. Pete Buttigieg and his paternity leave. Um, and he's getting mocked. <laughs> he's getting mocked for taking paternity leave. That's at all. And as getting he mocked. should. As he and, should. OK, but you disclosed online that you give your employees, you give your, your male employees two weeks paternity leave. So what's wrong yeah, with paternity? Let's let's start there, because it's also that he didn't tell anybody. It was secret. He did it for two months and he didn't appoint a backup when we're in the midst of this shipping and supply problem. But let's just start with the notion of paternity leave and why you don't like it. Well, first off, it's a problem because I assume that in Pete Butchid's uh, uh, scenario, they're both taking paternity leave. Yes. So it's a little it's a little bit different, right? I have twins. You have twins. It's double the trouble. You know, it's hard. Oh, for crying out loud. People just you know what? Honestly, in having twins, I I feel less sympathy for people who have one. And we're like, how do they complain about it being hard? The hardest thing is the timing. No, I think paternity leave is silly as far as it being government mandated in countries that are socialist countries. The truth is, I've learned that I'm very, very useless. I can feed. I can change. I can hold the babies, but they need their mother. And that's also why I acknowledge as a complementarianist and I acknowledge the gender role difference 
differences. And I don't mean women can't vote or oppress them. I mean that women are better moms. Just even if I put up some fake rubber apparatus for chest feeding, I'm not going to be as good of a mom as mom is. Uh, I provide two weeks because I want uh, our employees and we are a small company to be able to spend time with their wife and to bond with them. But there's a difference between that (laughs) and the secretary of transportation who just, first off, shows you how useless he is that no one noticed. (laughs) Like no one is going like, hey, where's he? Where where is he? Like, I don't know. He's chest feeding some child with fake rubber tits, I guess. I don't know. That was a joke by Tucker. He was not. He doesn't. uh, He said Tucker doesn't understand bottle feeding. Well, you know what the problem is? No, 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 no. I reject your premise. Let me explain you why I reject your premise. Because then Pete Pete Buttigieg goes, uh, well, it seems to me that Tucker doesn't understand the concept of bottle feeding. Oh, do you mean he might be confused because you have been pushing the concept of chest feeding because yeah. men can breastfeed too and chest feeding persons. In other words, you don't get to create the premise and then act like someone's absurd for accepting it. Good yeah. for Pete Buttigieg yeah. that he doesn't do the chest feeding. But I saw people on the cover of, I don't know, his Vogue or People magazine. And, you know, it's one stop short of Buffalo Bill. At a certain point when you're saying, I don't want I don't want a mom to be breastfeeding this child, but I'm going to put on a fake apparatus and convince the world that I can chest feed to it puts the lotion on it i mean it's getting really really oh that weird. buffalo bill a silence of the lambs yes. okay now yes. i got you yes I, it gets I the hose again me. put the Wait chest milk in the basket i challenge this i don't think that the men because there are men there are biological men who say they're trans women who are trying to chest feed their babies okay so there's like there's biological oh. women who are trans men who actually can breastfeed a child because they're okay. biological but there are men we did a story about this. What's her name? Courtney Cox did this whole special on this couple where you got a biological man and a biological woman who are each living the opposite sex. And the one who is a biological male is trying to, quote, chest feed or breastfeed the baby. And you'll be shocked to learn nothing came out because it's a biological man. And the one yeah. who gave birth to the baby, who is a biological woman, but living as a man, is not breastfeeding the baby. I'm like, I know the solution to your problem. I got you. Well, I got it's one hell of an ad. It's one hell of a commercial for Similac. Yes. Well, yeah, what other choice is there? Wait, but, there I mean, is look, a biological no one To go back to Buttigieg, no one noticed he was gone. And it's like, don't we... Don't we have shipping containers that are basically in a, in a never-ending holding pattern right now? He's he's the Secretary of Transportation. He's doing nothing, and no one noticed until he took up the only part of his job that he actively completes, which is appearing on Sunday shows. I mean, it just, <laughs> you just realize how useless. I don't understand how anyone can look at this right now. Look at this administration. Look at government in general and say, yeah, yeah, I want those people to run my lives. Mm-hmm. Well, what has he done before that qualifies him for this role? I mean, he was out there this weekend saying that th- this is a smashing success. All the delay in the supply chain, it just shows how great Biden's economy is going because people have money and they want to buy goods. and They're trying to get access to those goods and they're just so mad that you know they can't get access. That reflects well and it shows you the, the smashing uh, success of the Biden policies. Well, he's so out of touch that if you tell him, oh, really, how about the fact that 19 percent Beef when the cost of beef went up nineteen percent. You think you think that you're talking about a nightclub cover charge? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> My I'm point more... is he's useless, and it's not because he's gay. For before YouTube says it's because look at what he did in Indiana and how long it took to fix potholes. This guy, this this guy has not been good at his job, and you know that I'm correct because he stopped doing it for two months under the guise of paternity leave, and nobody noticed. Yeah. Case closed. I will say That's for the record. 
I'm I'm okay with some paternity leave. I I object to you know, and I realize it's two dads in that situation and two two babies too. So, well, maybe I'll remove that situation. Whatever. But I will say, you know, men who want to take three month three months off along with their wives, I think that's bullshit. Like, what do you? The three months are for the woman to physically recover and to breastfeed a new baby and take care of the brand new baby and bond with the baby because the baby was in the mother for nine months and and right. it takes some time. It takes weeks and weeks and weeks to recover from from a C section. Never mind a vaginal birth. So, like, let's not pretend that men are in exactly the same position that women are in after a baby is born. Now, again, a gay couple is a different situation. I get it. But, like, when you're talking about man and a woman, to treat the man's paternity leave like it should be equally long to the women's, the woman's maternity leave, I think, is a lot of nonsense. You are disgusting. There are penile births (laughs) as well, Megan. (laughs) Steven's got a lot of thoughts on everything, and we are going to crack it all open right after this. Superman apparently needed a makeover, Stephen. Uh, they, according to DC Comics, they are getting rid of, you know, his motto is truth, justice in the American way. It used to be faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive. He fights a never ending battle for truth, justice in the American way. And now no more. It's a better tomorrow. A better tomorrow, not the American way. This, as uh, they announced last week, that the new Superman is going to be bisexual after he falls for Jay Nakamura, a male reporter. And there's a promo of the two of them you can see in the sort of anime kissing. That's Superman kissing Jay Nakamura, a reporter. So he's getting a makeover, a wokeified makeover. What do you make of it? Yeah. Well, it's the wrong time for him to become bisexual. There are no more phone booths. Uh, I think it's um, a couple <laughs> of things. I don't get it. Uh, the gay men often have sex in public, so implying phone booths. Oh, but um, oh, I wanted oh. to go back to the balls to the wall thing. I found something out. Did you know oh, it you, actually has nothing? Get? It has nothing to do with mean? balls. It's the throttle oh. on a plane going to the wall, which has a ball on it. So you just have a filthy mind, <laughs> Megan. And then I had another idea. The the Genu sell your commercial genuinely interested yeah. me, but I realized you know they don't want a catcher's mitt like an old. They don't want like a sixty five year old Ryan O'Neill look alike. But here's the <laughs> catch: we do a before and after, and after I transition into Megan Kelly. I like it. Listen, I'm yeah. telling you, we're going to sell Genucel like nobody's business if it would start <laughs> working on your like, ass. This is what it can do. And he no, also I, went from 6'3 to 5'5", five, five, or however. I need to put but, it, uh, if I can put it on my bottom and it can do to my mo- bottom what it does to the under eyes, they're going to be gazillionaires. Well, that's great because my uh, common nickname is Assface. So hopefully it works. I, um, <laughs> Go through I it together. Say, yes, yes. <laughs> um Look, I don't really, here's the issue. I don't really care, but there are plenty of gay superheroes out there. It's not like this is a new thing. There are gay superheroes. There are lesbian superheroes. There are black super, just like when people are saying, should James Bond be black? I don't really care. The issue is there are plenty, there's not a lack of black action heroes. Think about it. The number one bankable star for a decade, Will Smith. You have people like Denzel Washington. In other words, they're actually pretty well represented. The problem is when You create divisiveness where there doesn't need to be when you say James Bond now needs to be a black guy. When you say Superman now needs to be bisexual, able to please Mm -hmm. men in a single in a single stroke. This whole deal is a problem (laughs) because people go, well, you had your gay superhero. It didn't sell that well because it turned out that the LGBTQ AIIP is and that's not a joke acronym uh, wasn't enough of a market to buy your your comic book. So don't ruin it for the rest of us who Mm -hmm. grew up with Superman. I think it's fair to just start new heroes, to just start new franchises. They just don't typically do all that well. And so they have to boycott and go after old ones. That's all. 
the issue here is when people say cancel culture, accountability culture, or, oh, you know what, it's time. They're not letting the market win out. They're trying to force a market on people that has failed time and time again. That's mm. it. And uh, I, I mean, you know, I, Superman, I don't really care. Superman is one of the dumbest superheroes that's ever existed. The guy is oh. completely, he's completely flawless. There's nothing that can hurt him unless you have kryptonite. And it just so happens that every single person and their dog, like, oh, I feel ill. Oh, yeah, have you seen uh, Spike's new kryptonite collar? Do you like these dangly <laughs> kryptonite earrings? You're like, well, now, now he's just a guy. I'm sorry, but I love Superman. I loved the show back in the 1970s. And then I loved when Christopher Reeve played him. I thought he was like the hottest Superman. I mean, he did wear tights. So like maybe you could see this coming. I don't know. But I that was like the one superhero I thought was so dreamy. I was so jealous of Robin. Oh, wait, well, that for, was cr- Batman. for crying out loud, Christopher <laughs> Reeve. That's a good looking man. Right. That is a Come good, on. And so is Henry Cavill. That These are good. Look, I can acknowledge it. Amazing. I don't, I don't, yes. Gorgeous. Yes. Very good looking men. Yeah. Uh, so let everybody I have, have a shot taken. even if I crossed over. And eat it too. I see your point. Listen, this is how I got in trouble years ago over the Black Santa. Is that there? Everybody was. <laughs> this black woman wrote an article about how the commercial image of Santa is a white guy. She didn't like it. She wanted it to be a purple penguin. And I went in the air and I was like, "Well, why? That doesn't make any sense." And then yeah, the shit storm that rained down on me on that one was second to almost none. Um, okay, Stephen Crowder's here. He's got thoughts on everything. Up next, we're going to talk about Biden, Kamala Harris appearing to break. Well, get some churches in, in trouble who are possibly breaking the law. Uh, COVID and much, much more. Don't go away. So let's start with Joe Biden and Jill Biden. Maskless, maskless Stephen Crowder at a dinner date in D.C. at some Italian restaurant there flouting the indoor mask mandate. You know how we all have to put the the pain in the ass mask on for our walk in and our walk out on the way yeah. to our table because we're all pretending that does something. Well, apparently um, they, they don't they feel no need to pretend, even though they've spent months um, touting the power and importance of masks and slowing the spread and encouraging us all to do our part. And my kids got to sit there all day and yours will soon, too, as soon as they hit two um, all day long in masks. And they're not allowed to flout the mandates the way the president and his wife are. Your thoughts on it, because it's not the first time he or other officials have been caught. Well, I, I, I hate to say this, but I, I do think that conservative media and liberal media do a disservice here where they focus on hypocrisy. They go, look how hypocritical. Look, everyone's a hypocrite. Megan, you're a hypocrite. I'm certainly a hypocrite. Um, particularly all Christians are hypocrites. If you actually have any standard by which to measure yourself, you're going to be a hypocrite. The issue here is not hypocrisy. The issue with Nancy Pelosi getting her hair done in the middle of a lockdown is not hypocrisy. The issue with Governor Whitmer flying to Florida when she was trying to ban people from flying to Florida, going up north to her uh, to her lake house and also being in a crowded uh, bar having pizza, I don't know if it was a pizza shop or bar, but eating pizza at the bar is not hypocrisy. It's that they aren't afraid of it in the way they demand you and I be. It's Mm. not that they're being hypocritical. That's true. What does that does? What does that tell you about uh, former Vice President Joe Biden and his wife? They're not afraid of it. They tell you you better wear a mask because there's the Delta variant going around and everyone's going to die. Do what you can. And then they don't wear it. Sure, they're hypocrites. They're not afraid of it. They have access to the same info you do. And they go, all right, when the cameras aren't on, we don't Mm -hmm. have to do this because everyone out there knows. And if this is on YouTube, I have to be very, very careful. Okay, let me be very, very clear. One of my uh, co-hosts here, his wife is a nurse. We were uh, here amidst the PPE shortage, right? We watched her struggle with that. However, when you wear a mask in a hospital, there is a very detailed process after you sanitize your hands. You place the mask on with gloves, and when you are done, you peel the mask off and put it 
into a receptacle before taking off your gloves and washing your hands. Okay, so when people say masks work, there are studies of masks working in that environment, not your old panties that you fashioned into a net gator stuffed in your glove compartment for two weeks. You won't find that paper on PubMed. I challenge you. Who is wearing their old panties? Um, I'm wearing her old panties and she doesn't need to be identified. (laughs) Just just leave it at that. Uh, No, you're 100% right. I have to tell you, this past weekend, I had a little girls weekend. I went to Chicago with two of my besties. It was great. And one of them is a very well-respected anesthesiologist and pain doctor. And she was talking about what the N95 really is in the hospital. It's like it's suffocating you know it's it's smushed to your face and it's very well layered and it looks nothing like the the lame little cloth masks that we are pretending right. are doing anything whatsoever so yeah you're right they, it really just sort of puts the lie to what they've been saying all along they don't believe it and we don't believe it either but unfortunately i the thing that really bothers me is my kids my kids have to live by it yeah. and and there's no end in sight uh, speaking of covid dr fauci comes out he gives an interview to chris wallace on fox News Sunday and that continues a line that we heard from him in the in the Fauci documentary that's out there right now, which is like his pro science message. He's he's science. He's science itself. And people don't like him are just anti science because he's full of science truths. Here was more of that with Chris Wallace uh, yesterday. Why do you think you've become so controversial? And honestly, do you think there's anything you have done that has contributed to that? Well, I'm not so sure I could answer the latter because I can't think of anything, but I'm sure some people will. But, you know, Chris, I have stood for always making science, data and evidence be what we guide ourselves by. And I think people who feel differently, who have conspiracy theories, who deny reality that's looking them straight in the eye. Those are people that don't particularly care for me. And that's understandable because what I do and I try very hard is to be guided by the truth. Wow. Thoughts on that? Um, I just find it funny that he can't even imagine some reason that people may not like him beyond the fact that he's systematically, uh, you know, stripped people of their basic constitutional rights and freedoms here in the country, despite the fact that he's an unelected official who actually receives arguably the highest salary in government. But really, if for no other reason, how about the fact that for those who haven't watched the Fauci documentary, you had the photograph of you throwing like a girl on the pitcher's mound framed and you went to tops the card company to have it framed as a fake baseball card on your desk the (laughs) ego on this guy that pitch was the most embarrassing pitch of any of any government official in the history of the united states and he said that'll look good on the end of my desk i want to frame it could we go to tops maybe to marvel have them make a picture book out of it a graphic novel this guy is so unbelievably out of touch and he's been wrong let's be clear about everything. I'm not just talking about the masks because he's weaseled out of that one saying, well, I had to lie because we didn't have the PPE needed. All right, fine. So you lied. Does any, 
Does anyone remember the AIDS epidemic? Do people know that Dallas Buyers Club happened because of Fauci? Do people know that that mantra, right to try, happened because of Fauci? Do people know that Fauci said there is nothing intrinsic to the homosexual lifestyle that could uh, lead to AIDS or would be the reason for AIDS and then had to reach out to the gay community and he was betting on AZT, which, by the way, did not have the track record that he anticipated, while gay Americans were looking for the right to try other medication. Also, Fauci said that children could get HIV or AIDS if they were living in a house with parents who had it, like you could get it from the Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Everything this man has said is wrong. He's unelected and he's highly paid. That's why people don't like you, Dr. Fauci. I hope I've put a finer point on it. <laughs> you conspiratorial man, you. That's got to be the reason. He said you could get AIDS from the cereal box. Wait, is that true? I never that I did not hear. He and said he cinnamon could get toast crunch is innocent in all of this. Let's just state that for the record. Okay, that's fair. It was Captain Crunch. <laughs> it's amazing. It's our favorite. Um, okay, moving on to other officials in the news today. Kamala Harris releasing a statement now to 300 black churches in Virginia for Terry McAuliffe, who's in this Virginia gubernatorial race that's right down to the wire. I mean, the polls are still showing him three points up, but that's within the margin of error. And it could definitely go to the Republican, which would be the first time, I think, since 2006, something like that, that we had a Republican hold the, the governor's office in Virginia. People are looking at this as a bellwether of what's to come because they're fighting over all the things that we see in the national news from COVID policies to CRT and the school board and so on. Loudoun County's in Virginia in that case we just discussed. Um, so Kamala Harris releases this statement. We I don't think we did cut it, right? Did, oh, we did. We, we did cut a little video of her. Now, keep in mind as you listen to this, right. the rule is for churches that are, that are tax exempt, that in order to be tax exempt, you are at, and I'm quoting now from the IRS tax guide, absolutely prohibited from directly or indirectly participating in or intervening in any political campaign on behalf of any candidate for elective public office. Listen to Kamala. This year, I know that you will send Terry McAuliffe back to Richmond. So early voting has already started, and this is the first year that you can vote on Sunday. So please vote after today's service. And she had gone on to say, um, he, this is, these are all the great things that Terry McAuliffe has done. Virginia needs him. He's the leader they need. Here's his track record. He did X, Y, and Z. I'm, she violated the law. I mean, this church violated the law and its tax-exempt status, these 300 of them, I should say, uh, should yeah. be questioned at this point. Yeah. Well, one thing I'm surprised that McAuliffe didn't say when Kamala said, I'm going to come out and give you endorsement. Just say, no, I'm good. I mean, she's the least <laughs> popular human being, I believe, in office ever. Uh, yes. You look in California, she wasn't popular. You look in the primaries, she wasn't popular. She's not popular as VP. I don't think an endorsement from her goes a long way. But I will tell you this. This is this is true. I remember when um, I think we were at midterms and I was in a very large church in uh, Texas and they were discussing some uh, abortion laws, I believe, that were on the books. And they were really afraid. They said, look, we have to be really careful in how we discuss this because we are not in any way endorsing any political party. But as Christians, this is what you believe about life. So they were being really, really careful. And I remember comparing that with, uh, you know, Jeremiah Wright at Barack Obama's church saying that Bill Clinton did the country the way he did Monica. He was riding dirty. I was like, is he air humping the podium? This was basically, uh, do, do you, you remember this, correct? Yes. He was, he was yes. riding dirty. I'm like, that's that man is that pastor 
is air humping the podium. So the lectern, this is some, the lectern. Yes, the lectern. Sorry. Um, yeah, this has been going on for uh, a, a long time because the left is not uh, they're, they're not beholden to the same rules. And this isn't just yeah. the left. It's about the elites, right? The elites in power. Who's going to enforce this? You're really talking about a few agencies of government and 501, 501c3, c4 status. It'll bore people listening. They know yeah. that no one's going to prosecute them like parents at PTA meetings from the FBI. So they mm-hmm. don't care. That's exactly right. It's it's her IRS. It's Biden's before. I think you called him vice pre- former vice president Joe Biden, which is funny because yes. he is technically the president now. Um, but so President Biden, vice president. He's also Harris, technically a former vice president. Yes, definitely. Uh, you would pass. You would get partial credit, at least on, a, on, a, on an exam. Um, their IRS is not going to go after these 300 black churches for that statement. So she will get away with it in a way that, you know, yeah. would have been a national story had Trump tried it. Um, OK, so speaking of double standards, Jussie Smollett is back in the news. <laughs> yes, he is. Because he is actually going to be forced to stand trial. Now, people may not remember exactly what happened here. He's, of course, the actor who was starred in Empire, who pretended that he was the victim of a of a crime during the it was like Snowmageddon or I can't remember what it was, but it was like, you know, negative 40 in Chicago in this very nice neighborhood where I was again this weekend called Streeterville. And he claimed that at 2 a.m. while he was innocently going to get a subway sandwich, he was the victim of a race crime where two Two guys wearing MAGA hats came over to him and put a rope around his neck and said, uh, you know, something like go Trump. I can't remember, but said bad things. This is MAGA Uh, country, I think they said. This is MAGA country. Okay, so that was all that was a lie. He wanted attention. Mm -hmm. It turns out, according to the uh, former Chicago police superintendent, Eddie Johnson, who, by the way, is a black man, that uh, he paid thirty five hundred dollars. Jesse did to these two brothers, Allah and Abel Osandario, uh, to stage the attack. And what happened then was the D.A. there, the Cook County State Attorney Kim Fox, two X's, declined to prosecute the guy. She she dropped it was a disorderly conduct charge against him, a felony. She dropped it. And um, a judge, then it turned out she had a conflict. And the judge, a judge later took a look at it and assigned a special prosecutor to the case who in February 2020 charged Smollett with six new counts of disorderly conduct. He pleaded not guilty. Now he's going to go to trial. Um, and you tell me what that trial's likely to mean to the culture wars now going on. It's all pre-George Floyd, pre-all of that. So what happens in Cook County as this case goes to trial? Look, I think when you look at the Jesse Smollett case and you look at uh, Bubba Wallace, just if you're gonna if you're going to perpetrate a fake hate crime, they really need to get better at tying nooses. I mean, they just need to go to scout camp. I mean, you look at it, the bubble wall is like, what is that, a garage door opener when they had it on Jesse Smollett? It's like, okay, someone said a payless uh, shoelace and tie it around there, give it a bow, that's good enough. It's just so not believable that it's comical. But the issue is at that moment in time, I was saying this, I, be- I know that, pl- I don't know if you were, but plenty of people were saying this before we knew any of the additional information. I said, hold on mm-hmm. a second, in a snowstorm, two mm-hmm. white guys poured bleach on him, threw a noose around his head and said, this is MAGA country. If I'm a betting man, no. The same thing Mm -hmm. with Bubba Wallace. In the middle of a NASCAR, uh, I'm going to bet no. Poop swastika was a big one. A swastika made out of poop because Nazis, in respecting the uh, symbol for Aryanism and the great uh, national socialist regime, would, of course, paint it in a uh, a campus dorm room shower uh, in poop. Most of these are (laughs) fake and they'll continue to be fake. 
And, and the issue is as long as there is an incentive, as long as we incentivize victimhood. And I mean that, by the way, this is one of the first times that it's backfired is here at you know Netflix with Dave Chappelle. And that's yeah. really only because Dave Chappelle is so powerful and he's he's arguably the best comedian to have ever lived, certainly the most prolific as far as uh, total catalog of material. It's one of the few instances where it's backfired. But as long as you continue to incentivize victimhood and as long as you uh, immediately create subsets in any type of conflict of who's the most marginalized, you're going to get scenarios where a bisexual boy in a skirt rapes a girl, gets away with it, rapes another girl. You're going to have uh, actors with a long history of, of being deceitful and, uh, and dishonest behavior come out with a fake race crime and the media cover it. You're going to have, uh, for example, Tom Cotton talk about uh, the lab leak theory and they'll accuse him of being racist and they'll, 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 they'll bury it. As long as you seek and you reward victimhood, and I mean in both a PR way and a financial way, um, which is really what the left is about, right? It's about this collectivist intersectionality as opposed to the responsibility of the individual. Conservative looks at Smollett and says, oh, this is tremendously irresponsible and damaging mm -hmm. for him as an individual. Of course, it's not indicative of all black people. Jussie Smollett needs to pay. When they were covering the story, they were saying, Jussie Smollett speaks for all black people. And mm -hmm. it's an issue here in this country where when people say common ground, there isn't common ground that way. We do need to figure out and decide the direction we want to go. Is it the direction that believed Jesse Smollett, that wiped a rape under the rug, that said noose Bubba Wallace, right, that's accused anyone of discussing the lab leak theory as being racist? Or is it the society that looks at individual behavior and uh, and really uh, sort of appropriates the ramifications um, in, in a way that is, I'm, I'm being redundant, appropriately. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the Jesse Smollett jury, um, it, it could go any way, even though it's very obvious the guy made this up. And I, I'll never forget this, this superintendent um, coming out, Eddie Johnson, and just ripping him, just ripping him about how this is an embarrassment and what he's done. And, you know, and, and as a black man, he objected to this other black man trying to, you know, gin up racial hatred and sentiments in a fake crime. Um, but this is all now going to happen post George Floyd. And I do wonder um what the jury will feel in looking at Justice Smollett now, who I don't know what he's going to say. He's, he's still denying. He's still claiming reportedly that uh, it happened to him. But you're going to get these two brothers on the stand to say he paid me thirty five hundred bucks to pretend. Right. Yeah, so, they have they have the check. They have the bill yeah. of sale for crying out loud. This guy could have just he, going to a gym and finding a white personal trainer, like a blonde haired, blue eyed, racist looking personal trainer is not hard. <laughs> he decided to hire half the cast of Amadeus. <laughs> or Amistad, sorry. Amistad, what? I get them confused. One's about a requiem and one's about slaves on a ship. The point is, this guy went out and he hired African people. He, like, just, you know what that says? That says that there is no fear of accountability or retribution. The digging that you did on my website and my stories, a comedian, but I appreciate you did it. I'm yes. held to a standard that Jussie Smollett knew CNN, ABC, NBC, CBS, New York Times, would never hold him to. He wasn't mm. concerned about reporters doing their due diligence. That's why he hired two guys, two black guys who are darker than him to throw a Payless shoelace around his neck and throw some water on him, which, by the way, one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life is the cop footage. Did you see this? the cop uh, camera footage, the body cam footage when they're at his apartment and he's walking around with this crappy little noose shoelace? And they're like, you can take, you can take the shoelace off. 
you don't need a key. He's like, well, I thought you guys needed to see it. Like, no, we don't need to see that. Oh, and boy. he's just trying to milk it. And it's so cringefully it's pathetic. Like, but I... An actor not realizing this scene is over now. Uh, well, we'll <laughs> right. see. I, I'll be fascinated to see how that trial goes. I really will for all those reasons, because, you know, is he going to play I'm the victim? And I, you know, I had no like plead insanity, maybe. Right. Like the, our crazy racist society made me do this. Um, we'll have to watch and see. It's only disorderly conduct, but it's felony. So, you know, it's this is real. And he could actually be facing uh, some real penalties at the end of it. OK, um, my favorite segment is coming up next. I can tell you it's going to be my favorite because I love getting personal with Steven Crowder. Not in a weird, creepy way, but just, you know, in a, in a professional friendship way. Um, and we're going to talk next about his health, parenthood. Uh, last time he was here, he was trying to get, uh, he and his wife were trying to get pregnant. Well, it worked. They have twins now. Uh, so how's that going? Okay, so last time you were on, it was almost a year ago. It was right after the election. And you at that point were in a very different space because you and your wife had suffered a miscarriage and you were sad. You were really bummed out about it. And you guys were trying to, you know, you just never know if it's going to happen before it actually does happen. So you get pregnant. You have these beautiful twins, boy and a girl. And at the same time, your health implodes. I mean, you almost died yeah. over the summer. So so. When I talk about that, what's it bringing up for you? Are you still stuck in the ecstasy of the childbirth or the agony of the health issues? Uh, you know, it's funny. I talk about this quite a bit on on air as as someone who sort of struggled with with uh, you know depression my whole life. I'm, I'm more driven yeah. by responsibilities and by commitment and wanting to be good to my word than I am by, I guess, sort of pursuing joy because it's so um, elusive. That being said, I'm, mm. it's unbelievable. Obviously, having children it does change you, and and I understand now what people are talking about connecting with their with their children. Um, but, but as far as the day to day, you know, here's what happened last December. Um, I started getting these and I actually started funny enough. We did a parody, a music video of the bravery's honest mistake. And I was wearing a, a mask and that was the first time I started getting what felt like these heart palpitations, ba-boom, 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 where we have V roll of me like going, all right, we have to cut pulling off my mask and being unable to breathe and getting dizzy. And this kept happening. And, um, you know, I went to doctors and they said, well, it's panic attacks. I said, I don't think these are panic attacks. Like, I mean, I can actually feel it. But the problem is when doctors just say, well, it's panic attack, you you assume it must be true. And so I thought I was losing my mind. I thought, well, mm -hmm. I guess I just can't stop getting panic attacks. We found out, and this is a whole long story short due to genetic, it's called Ehlers-Danlos. It's this connective tissue thing. But I don't want to be one of those people who goes out and champions like, ah, you can still do it with Ehlers-Danlos. The fact is we all have a pain in the ass. Uh, the cartilage doesn't really work very well in my body. My sternum was pressing against my heart and my lungs, so my heart wasn't able to pump fully. So it was actually happening. I wasn't losing my mind. Uh, that had never happened before? This was like a new issue? Uh, no, it had been slowly, I guess, kind of getting worse and worse as you get older. So I'd always had a concave. Funny enough, on air, I think six years ago, we did a competition to see how many coffee beans we could fit in my sternum hole. <laughs> and it was 104. Did. I didn't know that it was killing me. You know, I was like, ah, look at this. Because as a kid, I used to eat M&Ms out of it. It was like a, it was a cereal oh bowl. God. And I didn't. I didn't know that it was actually, as you get older, you know, it can become a little more uh, substantial. So they did amazing surgery at Mayo. Okay, just to be clear, great work. Please, they are blameless. They put in three titanium rods, push it back out. The problem is uh, they told me that you'll be able to walk like within a day or two. And then I I overdid it. I called them and said, well, I'm get, I'm not feeling that well. And I said, what do you mean? I said, well, I went to Costco and I, I went to, the, they said, wait, you went to Costco in the grocery store? Are you out of your mind? 
I said, what? They said, we might like walk from the kitchen to the bathroom. You're not supposed to be going mm. out. So oh, uh, that's when I uh, I had some kind of weird internal bleeding and yeah, it collapsed my lungs a gallon and a half of fluid in my body uh, two weeks before the twins came. But look, it's a pain in the ass. Everyone has their pain in the ass. Wait, and the stop twins it, stop it, great. stop it. Don't, don't just skip by that. So the day of the lung collapse, what did that feel like? Um... Oh, Megan, you're going to do that. You're going to try and get me to cry. I talked about no, this. No, I want to know. I called. Okay, here's what happened was um, it got worse very rapidly. I'd already had two x-rays and they said, well, maybe there's some fluid in there, but an x-ray can't really tell you. And one night I went upstairs and uh, it was just really hard for me to breathe. So I go to bed and now I'm realizing I can't breathe. It's, it's, it's about like this. It's about everything that I have, everything to move my diaphragm and but the exhaling is, oh. <gasps> right, it feels like a truck. And I was kind of going in and out of consciousness because every time I would wake up, I would say just, okay, don't, don't stop breathing, don't stop breathing, don't stop breathing, till it got to the point where my people take for granted your diaphragm, everything, right? I have a gallon and a half of fluid in here and I can't even sit up. Um, I can feel the lactic acid building up. You know, like when you work out and your muscles get tired and I can feel the muscles in my diaphragm getting really, really tired, like unable to expand for air. And mm-hmm. I started seeing stars and I thought I was, you know, I thought there's a 50-50 shot if I go out that I'm just going to, you know, my, I'm just going to get tired and stop breathing. So I called, called my dad at that point um, and told him I thought it might be the last time that we talk. And oh my, uh, my friend who was downstairs in the basement, I couldn't even shout to him, couldn't hear me, for some reason woke up, took me to the hospital. They started draining me. I hit a nurse, which I don't regret. I'll explain that later. And uh, then five days later, after being in the ICU, you know, I was able to go home and then uh, able to uh, be there for as much as you can be there with the whole COVID thing for the delivery of my twins. Yeah. Oh, my. So your wife is nine months pregnant and you literally are almost dying. Yeah. So can I dumb question? But when you have one lung that collapses, does the other lung not work? Like I would. How come you couldn't get the breath in? Well, the other lung was partially collapsed too. So, um, and keep in mind what it is. It's not fluid in the lungs. It's fluid in the thoracic cavity, right? So it creates water pressure. So then basically the lungs can no longer expand. Uh, And I will tell you, out of everything that I had done, the most painful part was when they drained me because a gallon and a half, they had to do it over the course of like four days, I think. And that first one, they weren't expecting as much fluid. So they, you know, they put in a shot to numb you, but they put in a shot to numb you about, you know, three inches deep. And then they stick in, I don't know when a needle becomes a pipe, but they stick in what is effectively like a, a, a renovation pipe through your rib cage <laughs> into your lung cavity and pull it out. And that creates this basic, like this change in pressure where I could, that was the most painful thing, mm. namely because they didn't warn me, uh, warn me. They were like, ah, you ever had this done? I said, no, like, ah, it's not fun. That's oh. all they said. Oh, no. Well, I mean, yeah. I I understand, like, just in having gotten an epidural on birth of my child, I understand, like, the needle turning into the pipe, but not like this. I didn't feel it at all. It I mean, was in for, it was in for six minutes. And they're like, now, that, and, and, and then just before he puts it in, he goes, he goes, okay, you're going to, he goes, uh, we just put in the numbing thing. He goes, uh. And then almost leans in like he's been very friendly, but now all of a sudden he's serious. And he goes, now, just so you know, when I put this in, you're going to want to cough. It is very important that you do not cough. (gasps) And then what do you think the first thing is you have to do? (laughs) Cough. I'm like, what's going to happen if I cough? Am I going to am I going to die? Like, uh, what do I do here? So it's it's just the whole process. It's terrifying. So could your wife be in the hospital at this point? 
No, no, this was, I was across the country because she couldn't fly. So, because oh. I had to go to Mayo Clinic in Arizona and she was at the point where she couldn't fly. I mean, thank God. Well, I should have just classified her as being an Air, Air Force pilot so they could have the stretchy maternity suit that our government's spending <laughs> billions of dollars That's on. Right, That's yes. not a joke. That's right. But, that's right. Maternity. I remember when I was hearing that story. My wife can't fly now. So no, my wife wasn't wasn't able to be to be with me. And it was oh, it was not supposed to go this long. The whole reason for getting the surgery at this point was there was there was an opening with COVID that kind of stuff. And uh, I was supposed to be able to be back for several weeks at home before the birth because you know with twins they they do a C section. It's kind of yeah. scheduled. Yeah. And then this put a wrinkle in the plan. So um, she was very uh, she was very tolerant and. You know, honestly, one thing I will say for people out there right now, um, it's a pain in the ass. For example, like doing this show, I'm getting after doing a show of my own and been up since four. I, I, I lose energy quickly still. Yeah. And it's the real thing is I think I've, I've learned that it's 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 tough to find mo like right now I have to do the rehabilitation exercises. And I kind of started feeling sorry for myself for a little bit. That's why I say just think of it as a pain in the ass, because look, when you have all the scar tissue and the titanium rods going in and. And just moving the empty barbell is excruciating. Mm. Um, but you know what? It, it's just like, it's it's tough to get motivated to go into the gym at five in the morning to know that it's going to hurt and you're going to be very, very weak. You mm -hmm. know, it's not like when you go in and you're making progress. And sometimes I'm not just trying to be dismissive of it. You just have to look at it and say, everyone's got their pain in the ass. This is what I have right now. It's one thing I have to deal with. I'm not dead. I'm not dying. I am improving. It's just going to be a long way to go. And that's just something you got to do. So so what what's going to happen with the rest of your cartilage, right? There's a lot of th cartilage in our bodies that we really need to stay exactly where it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's actually the condition. So before this, people can find the footage of me uh, tearing the ligaments in my knee and then fracturing my femur. Um, it, that's the issue is uh, I, uh, I've had 20 four joint dislocations that I've had to reset in my lifetime. Oh, wow. What so about the back thing? You remember we talked last time you were on, we talked about your back and what happened to you at Fox and going to the emergency room and the, nobody yeah. came to visit you. And that was your aha moment of these people don't give a shit about me. Um, really I, yeah, I understand. Um, but was that was that also related to this now in retrospect or no? Mm hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's the connective tissue. So it's like when people go to the gym, you know, and you know, people drink your milk because you you build up right, you build up protein, you tear down your muscles, and you rebuild. Pro That's protein synthesis. There's also something called collagen synthesis. This is a genetic thing you can test for. I was diagnosed mm -hmm. fibromyalgia, which mm -hmm. I was just, I remember telling the doctors like, you have fibromyalgia. I'm like, no, I'm not a bitch. And he's like, well, don't you can't say that. And I'm like, well, I can. You're my doctor. <laughs> this is patient doctor privilege. But usually no. fibromyalgia means. We don't really know what's wrong with you. Then yes, no, no. My mom's genetic. got that, and I'm always making making fun of her, saying that's not real, that's baloney, that's your excuse to get some sort of a pain pill. My, my, my well, you're mom. a horrible person. Oh, <laughs> terrible. If you want to hear a story Absolutely. about a pain pill? I have a story about that. But they can genetically test for this Ehlers Stanlos. There are different variants, and I, I recommend if someone ha there's there are two very deadly variants that affect the periodontal disease. Oh. Uh, periodontal, I guess uh, your your gums. I don't know. It creates periodontal disease, and that affect your cardiac tissue because there's a lot of car collagen there. I don't have that. I have hypermobility, um, which is also why when I used to do, you know, jujitsu, which I don't know if I'll ever do again, as a big guy, it's kind of like Gumby, like <sighs> my legs behind my head, you know, I could do mm. some weird stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, joints can so pop out and, and any connective tissue can be tough. But speaking of pain pills, okay. Hmm. I know everyone wants to talk about the opioid epidemic. That's the common ground. Blah, 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 blah. No, no. Look, I think we've too, we've swung too far the other way sometimes because I had this surgery and I have to go to Arizona, right? Because Mayo, it's the specialist, the best specialist in the world who performs the surgery on adults. 
And uh, they say, well, you're going to need pain, uh, you know, some kind of pain medication for this amount of time. And I say, okay. And they say, but we can only give you seven days worth because you're out of state. I'm like, well, what do I do? Like, well, you got to find a doctor in your state. So I got to find a doctor in my state. And the doctors say, hmm, are you pill shopping? I go, here's a picture of titanium rods. I had to show it to Uh, TSA yesterday. Oh, no. Uh, And uh, no, I couldn't get anything written. What? So I I just had to do it without it. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Doctors are so afraid to prescribe it. Don't you even yeah. have like doctors watching your show who said, hey, I'll help you out. Like, I mean, that I feel like maybe it's because I'm a woman. I don't know. I feel like the, I'm still in the position of they're pushing it on me no matter what happens to me. I mean, I had my shoulder, um, a bone spur operated on in June. It was like on nothing. And still, I had plenty of opioids offered me. I was like, no, I'm good. I don't need it. I'll just stick with the ibuprofen. I don't know. I, it hasn't been a problem. I feel like they give me too much. Next time, say you need it. Say you want it. And uh... I'll ship it your way. Yeah, <laughs> we'll become yeah. hashtag yes, part let's of the admit problem. to a felony right here. We can't do that. We're not Democrats. We will be prosecuted. Um, so no, it was a problem. So I, you know, I, and I will say there were certain things like over the counter, like actual lab tested uh, CBD that I used from a company, and 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 the thing that everyone's vilified, kratom has natural opioids in it. But it's like at a certain point when you can't get anything, and it's and, and even your the, your doctor has said, tell them, tell this doctor, go to this hospital, tell them to call me. Yeah. Right. The head of me- me- and they call- they say, no, yeah. we're not willing to do it. And it's Mayo Clinic. It's not like Dr. Bobby, who you found on telecom medicine. Um, right. What? Why did you hit a nurse? Oh, yeah. Uh, she had it coming. No. <laughs> what? What, here's, here's, so here's what happened. I swear to you. This is true. This is a true story. I uh, so I'm not able to breathe. Right. We're, let's go back to where I was. 50 50 shot. Call my dad. OK. Rush to the hospital. I get in. There's no one there. Good. Uh they what get do you mean? me at into, the ER. Yeah, there's no one there at this point. It's very, very early in the morning and we're in a small town. So I get there. There's no one there. They get me in pretty quickly in a bed. Uh, but I'm really like like I'm saying at this point, I'm <sighs> my, my friend Johnny boy who was with me said he was just trying to keep me talking. He, he was that concerned. So um, and my oxygen levels are low. And at this point, I can only get one word out at a time. Right. Uh, if you ever saw the, the show Malcolm in the Middle, I don't know if you remember there was a, the black in the wheelchair who would talk. Like, it was just like that. So this nurse walks up. She hasn't even given me the oxygen yet. She goes, uh, mask. And I just oh, go, come on. and I have a mask under my chin. And I go, no. She goes, mask. And I turn to my friend, John, who has the, you know, the x-ray of the titanium rods. You know, this man might have complications breathing, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I go, John, show the Mayo thing. She goes, doesn't matter. You have to wear it. And she she grabs the mask here, but just a little too aggressive and kind of oh, starts gosh. smearing it on my face. You know, a little bit like Harry pulls off the tar and feather in Home Alone. So she starts pulling it up. And my instinct, because I'm just trying to breathe at this point, was I just went, yeah. no, like that. But yeah. you heard too much of a like oh. that. And like you could hear rat piss on cotton. I thought they were going to call security. Uh, oh, and then afterwards, she just realized I just went like this. No. And uh, she said, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect your oxygen level anyway. You should wear a mask, but she let it be. I didn't have time to say, uh, you know, that's bullshit. I actually conducted a study here in my own show where I did a mask and went to uh, the gym in different <laughs> yeah. scenarios in a control study. Wasn't I just the said, time. No, I just said, that's bullshit. Don't touch me. And we were good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Was that ever did you ever round back? What a crazy thing for a nurse seeing a patient in that condition to try to shove a mask over his face. Oh, yeah. No, I uh, once I got up to the actual, uh, I don't know what you call it. There's the emergency room and I guess the ICU upstairs. There was a really, really nice nurse there named Ramona. <laughs> and I won't. So I won't say what she but she goes. Uh, oh, what she said. Uh, she said, uh, oh, let me give you another one. This is true. This is true. 
So she, the same nurse says to me, she goes, well, you may just have to be here all night because we don't have any room in the uh, in the ICU or whatever the little hospital thing. I don't know the terms for the hospital. She said because we're overloaded with COVID patients. So she's sitting there trying to scare me. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I go upstairs and I get a nice cozy bed. There's this nice nurse Ramona, and she goes, uh, "Oh no, she's full of crap. That that woman's a bitch. She's we have no uh, COVID patients in this oh, hospital. Oh, she's going to be we on CNN six... next week telling them that it yeah. was an ivermectin overdose yeah. problem in the ER. There were <laughs> six in the entire network of hospitals, and there were none in this hospital." So, all right. So thank God you get through it and you realize that you're going to make it. And I would think that that would make the birth of your twins especially emotional for you. No. No, nothing. You felt nothing. No, no. (laughs) I did not feel anything. Welcome to the party. Okay. You know what it is? Is um, I think for like for me, so I have so uh, my, my little girl, I connect with her more just because. Uh, the boy wants his mom and he doesn't really react to me. Whereas with her, I can do a bunch of voices and I do impressions. Like I sang 99 bottles of beer on the wall and I actually got all the way down with a different impression for every single bottle. And she loves it. So I can calm her down and kind of interact with her. Whereas he, he, he wants his mom at this point. Mm. Um, So I think for men, when you interact is when you connect with them for me right away with the birth was, and again, kind of with my temperament was, Oh my gosh, this is this is real. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to make sure this. I got to take care of them this way. And yeah, there was there was love, but it was a really overwhelming sense of responsibility. And keep in mind, they were born a little early, you know. And I I just remember thinking, how could anyone have children, have babies like this, and 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 still be pro-abortion? I do remember thinking that, like, how could because they were born, you know, as twins, premature. I'm going, this would be legal. It would have been legal just today in Virginia. Mm. Uh, to do that. And, and it really, that to me uh, was a, I've always been pro-life, but there was this visceral reaction where seeing them and seeing that they're a living thing. And especially with twins, because you can see the personality differences right yeah. away. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not just a fetus. Uh, it's not well, just, even I mean, earlier. I mean, of course, as you know, er- early yeah. on in the pregnancy that, you know, that whole heartbeat thing is like you see and hear the heartbeat yeah. of this little tiny shape. And it's like you can debate whether abortion policy is good, bad, legal, not legal to the cows come home. But you can't tell me that that's not a life. I mean, that is mm-hmm. that that's science. That is science. Yeah. No, it could not be sustained outside the mother's womb at that point. But is that the relevant question? There's no qu- right. you see that heartbeat, whatever your position was before. It's got to give you some pause like Wow. Yeah. And to be clear, it was very special with my kids, but I'm kind of a, uh, because of what I do and running a business and, you know, having a target on my back with YouTube, the truth is I don't really have the yeah. luxury in my life to sit very often and, and enjoy, um, the present mo- moment or feel pity for myself. So I kind of like, okay, um, the moment I was out of the ICU kind of like, okay, boom, done, go. Okay. Boom, Forward. done, go. That's Forward. what I have to do. Uh, and especially in a landscape that's constantly changing right now with social media, with the way media is, with the bad faith actors, who they are. But um, it, it was obviously very, very special to me to to first, they brought up my, my son first, because you can only have one person, you have to be the same with the COVID thing. So it kind of had to do one at a time. And also one thing is I, I still can't really hold both of them at the same time mm-hmm. because of the, what's mm-hmm. going on with the, the bars in the rib cage. But um, it was a uh, yeah, it, it is one. Of the, I, I don't I still I, I never really liked kids that much. I still don't love other people's kids. But uh, mm-hmm. everyone says my kids are cuter. But the difference is I'm right. 
And you know what? I have to say, they really do get better and better. It's like, I, I feel like in some ways I'm more like a man when it comes to children. Like I, most of my women friends are like, oh, when they were toddlers, I'm like, oh my God, thank God that period's over. My kids now are 12, <laughs> 10 and eight. And it's so awesome. And it's been awesome for a good like four years, like eight, six and four was also awesome. I just think people, it, I don't know whether you're having any of these feelings or not, but if you're not if you're not feeling like a yes nailed it this is amazing just know it actually gets so good when they become more like little people and they can talk yeah. and you can see their brains working and they're funny and they fire up things in you and you can relive fun things like your favorite movie it's just like the next phase of parenthood people need to be told just in case they're not absolutely loving the the, the babyhood phase i you know i appreciate it gets so that good. because a lot of a lot of people just go like oh it only gets harder i'm like I don't really know if that's the case because right now, every two hours, we're trying to make sure that they don't die. That's literally, they lay there and I go, I go, please don't die. How do I make you not die? That's, that's about it. Um, and if people want to know too, I've, it sort of occurred to me, what we think is cute about babies or young children is, is really just the, it, it's the kind of behavior where if an adult behaved the exact same way, you would think they're an idiot. But to kids, we think it's cute. Like with a baby, the other day, she was, she, she just started, uh, she started like finding her hand, you know, because she couldn't, and then she kind of finally like, I'm like, look, she's finding her hand. If your cousin, if your friend Bob was like finding his hand, you'd lock him away. So that's just, that's what we think is cute about them. But I will tell you, there's nothing cuter. There is nothing cuter than we have a, you know, a big, big dog, uh, Joe Lewis, who's a dog of Argentina, 110 pounds. And we figured he was going to be really good with the kids. And of course, to people out there, should never leave any dog alone with yeah. with children, particularly big right. dogs, no matter how good they are. But the what's there's something so cute about bridled control. A dog that is a protective dog, a dog that is a powerful dog, moving gently up to interact with the kids and kiss mm -hmm. them and understanding the difference between the little ones. So uh, Joe Lewis has just been great with them. He's been perfect. And that's been really cool for us to see the interaction. They cry a little mm -hmm. bit. He runs up, he checks on them, waits in front of the nursery. We go in. He's like, okay, I've done my job. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of love in the house. That's something I a lot of people skip over. Joe Lewis is, he's sort of another version of Steven Crowder. Like that, oh. this big, tough guy who takes on all these massive battles and challenges and doesn't back down. But like there's a softer, more protective, sweet, kind, loving side. I've seen it in you repeatedly. And I'm so excited to see where this is going. I bet you're going to be an amazing, amazing dad, Steve. So happy. You're feeling better. The twins are here. And uh, I hope it's nothing but blue skies for you guys. Well, I mean, I'll swat him around a little bit. But yes, thanks for the kind words. <laughs> Just as that nurse. <laughs> Talk soon, I hope. Bye. Thanks, Megan. I, I hope so, too. Lots of love. <laughs> 